bandwidth for the Weird Things podcast provided by Wired Tree. For sites of any size and world-class customer service, head on over to wiredtree.com. Hello and welcome to After Things. I'm Andrew Maine, joined by Mr. Bryce Castillo. Hi. And Mr. Brian Brushwood. Ahoy, mateys. Yar. Uh, I uh, want to point out, right before we started, we had somebody in the chat who said, hey, I haven't seen Brian since he had the spiked hair days, and now you seem a lot more chill, etc. Which is also kind of relates to our topic we're going to talk about, and that is the idea of uh, when your business model changes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This, of course, uh, for anybody who's new, which I guess we have somebody who hasn't been around in a while. Um, this is the portion of the program where we talk about what it's like to be an independent creator, an entrepreneur, how to make it and what kind of tools, tricks and tips we have for you. Yeah. And so I think that you have to you always have to be adapting. You always have to be sort of changing. And it's not like there's reactionary change where you're like, oh, I, I got it's changing. I got to adapt. And then there's more. I'm learning. I'm evolving. I know what I, I know what my what I want to do now. And I, I went through that with writing. I started sci-fi and I got into mystery thriller and then got into other stuff. And it is it is hard when you are known for a thing or you have an audience for a thing when people become very risk averse. You know, be very risk averse. And again, I, I would bring up, you know, you talk the hair thing to death, but we've not talked about the after things is like you go through a period where like, you know, when your audience was, let's say, colleges, you have a college market and you know it works there. But I noticed like when you started expanding bigger, when I saw you on like Nat Geo, when I saw you on broadcast TV and I saw your brand growing and growing and growing, it's like, OK, I'm going to evolve. I'm going to grow into, you know, kind of, uh, you know, an I don't know how you describe it. Well, well, uh, so so um, uh, one one of the things people ask, like, why did you do that crazy hairdo back in the day? And and you have to explain to many people that that in a pre-social media age, it was entirely possible <laughs> for you to swoop in, perform at a college for three to five hundred people. And, and, you know, it, nobody would know who you are at the beginning of the program, but by the end of the program, you could get a legitimate standing ovation. They could say this is the best, most outrageous, most unconventional magic show I've ever seen. And one year later, they would, they would see a magician and they would casually say, oh, I saw a magician. He was here last year. Well, what can you tell me about him? I might know him because magic is all of nine people wide. And they would say... Um, he did this thing where like, uh, like he knew the number they were thinking of, or, or he, he did a thing with some cards and it's like, no, you needed something to stick. If you said there was a tall one and a short one and they were both wearing suits and one of them didn't talk, you know, already everybody knows who I'm talking about. Whereas Larry, and, Moe and Carly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, you needed something, uh, whether it was to always be wearing an outrageous, you know, red jumpsuit and having a mohawk or whatever, you needed some kind of anchor, some kind of picture that would be sticky long afterwards that people would be like, yes, that's the guy I saw. Um, nowadays, you know, we have we have enhanced robots doing all that work for us in the form of Facebook likes and, and that stuff. But um, uh, what worked in that market was figuring out an unmet demand, an unmet niche there was already sort of a David Copperfield of college magic. There was an established guy who, if you wanted the David Copperfield style experience, this guy had all the colleges. He was doing it year after year after year. But there was no 
kind of rejection of that. There was no pen and teller of, of the college market. And so that's why I, I, I crafted the, the, the style, made sure to call it bizarre magic, made sure to all the marketing reflected that it's a rejection. It, this is Pepsi to Magic's Coke in this market. And that worked really well in person. Every time I got in a Southwest mm -hmm. Airlines flight, uh, the ridiculous spikes would make people smile. They would immediately ask, oh, what do you do? And then all and conversations would start. But that power dynamic shifted once you step in front of a camera because the mere act of being on the camera suggests a certain level of authority. And what in person looked like punching up suddenly looked like punching down. And I think, I think not to get too political on it, but I think the same thing that has worked for Trump in the past when he was punching up to established authority is not as good a look right now as he's the sitting president of the United States. And it lands with a lot of people as him punching down. And, uh, and so likewise, it took me a few years uh, when magic touring was still my day job and uh, doing scam school on YouTube was just sort of a side gig. It's like, no, I can't. It's a very dedicated hairstyle. I can't undo it. And so I just got used to people being like, what's with this guy? I don't like him. And then eventually they're like, he's pretty great. <laughs> and then, and of course, what happened was the moment, the moment I made being in front of the camera, my full-time job, it's like, okay, it's time for a more palatable, more humble, less screamy looking hairstyle. At which point everybody in the chat immediately said, bring back the spikes. Yeah. And we still get <laughs> it. We always get people who are like, oh, I remember you from the spiky hair days. Well, and, and by the way, that's the key phrase is they remember because, <laughs> because it's stuck Dead. out. It's the power. It is the. I, I got it, and and I knew how powerful it was when I saw other people try to copy it. Um, and <laughs> I think that that was. I think, and it was one of those like I got it. I mean, because I met you back then. I think as we first met like this, and you're you're doing college shows. And I remember thinking to myself, "Oh, this guy gets it. Like this, you're going to remember this guy. Everybody else doing that market does the same damn chicks, the same damn stuff. Hey, I need a lighter. Put it in the pitcher full of lighters. Thanks. About fills it up. Whatever kind of stuff. And the things become so. You, you kind of like they mix together, but I'm like, oh, this guy stands out. And I thought that was really clever. And your point you made about once you were on camera, once you were doing TV, once you got to that next level, you're like, yeah, I don't need this now because I am established enough here that I don't have to, you know, that is a very clever sort of thing. And well, that's and, what and, changes. Uh, the, the way I think of it is it's sort of a push pull. Uh, when you are, uh, uh, let's say, relatively powerless, just getting started, uh, relative nobody in whatever market it is, then what you want to do is find the smallest, most precise, most unoccupied territory in that, and you want to own it. You want to be a laser to, to exactly own this territory where nobody can question that, oh, you want something crazy with blood and guts and nails and eyes and stuff. Um, all of a sudden, the pool to draw from goes down to you know, two or three people, and uh, uh, in, in which case uh, I'll just have to be the most professional of those three people to get the gig. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. then the moment you get established, then what you want to do once you have a platform, then you want to widen the base, which is exactly what we saw with Penn and Teller. Penn and Teller fueled their career with the theatrical conceit. I don't want to confuse it for the actual attitude of hating on magicians, but the theatrical conceit of being the bad boys of magic and they laser targeted being the opposite of Copperfield. And then as they've gotten a platform, look at how they've widened the circle. Now fool us is the premier destination for magicians of all stripes to go and, and, and get amazing footage for their demo reel and get exposed to a bigger audience. They, they started counterculture and they became culture 
And so likewise, mm -hmm. once you get a platform, you want to do, you don't want to go crazy, but you want, you want to stay focused, but you want to widen the tent. One of my one of my kind of favorite moments when you knew they'd kind of like Penn and Teller had crossed over was going to see a David Copperfield Copperfield show live, and he did the vanishing a TV camera trick, and he makes his TV camera vanish, and you're watching it on a screen where you see the point of view of the camera, and it goes staticky. And the next thing you know is you see, uh, you know, it's actually Tim White who worked for David is the camera guy next to the camera on the balcony, and then Penn and Teller are there, and they're like, ah, oh, we took the camera or whatever. And it was a very funny oh, that's bit great. to see that like. Yeah, they're like there. I was like, no, it's all show business, folks. It's all you know, uh, you know what what they're trying to do. And like, yeah, I went through that with going from sci-fi to mystery, where I said, okay, how do I grow into this other audience? So again, I I and I, I love just hearing you explain that though. Talking about like once I was at that leather level, you know, that the signaling didn't work for me would work against me. Well, and, and, and uh, I, I think it's really interesting how you started with such a narrow genre of, of uh, and you, I'm probably getting the labels wrong, but but is it is it of, of sci-fi techno thrillers that, that like like because because you think of you know you got books and then a smaller circle for for sci-fi and then a smaller circle for techno yeah. and thrillers. Yeah, I mean, first thing I did was was Grindel Shadow, which was like future steampunk sci-fi. Then I did techno thriller with Public Enemy Zero, kind of techno thriller horror. But then I did several, I did several novels, novellas and stuff that were sci-fi. And then Angel Killer, which was really mystery thriller, you know, that was the one that was sort of like, that was the one like, okay, this is where I'm going to, this is my future. Yeah. Uh, well, we got a, so, an email. Did yeah, and the reason I brought this, all this up is because we've had a person we've talked to before who's now built a platform. Now they've got a thing, and now they're that that thing is when you decide to make that change, it's not easy. It is not easy because this has worked so far. I think I need to go where I need to do, and so that'll segue into that. And Bryce, if you actually want to read it, sure. Uh, your this voice is better. this is from uh, a longtime writer into the show, David Potts. Hey guys, a question about Patreon. Two years after launching my page, I'm up to 3,000 plus paying supporters. Wow, congratulations, that's that's tremendous. Which feels both amazing and mega humbling. As great as this is, there's a rising anxiety that I'm undercharging and leaving money on the table. Should the size of my audience affect how generous slash greedy I am when it comes to how much I charge? Some quick context, I make free educational guitar videos on YouTube and on Patreon offer illustrated chord sheet PDFs, about one to two new PDFs a week. There are over 200 of those at his website, playsongnotes.com. I've been charging $3 a month this whole time for access to everything. When my library was small, this seemed fine. But with over 200 PDFs now available, am I a sucker for not having up the price? I'm of the mind to sunset the $3 tier and keep current patrons grandfathered in and up the minimum pledge to $5 a month. I also want to explore selling PDFs a la carte separate from Patreon, which would probably be in the $3 range, which is uh, which this $5 a month plan seems to complement. Should I run, don't walk to capture the money I'm leaving on the table, or should I not be in a hurry to rock the boat? Thank you for all you do. You've answered my questions over the past four to five years. That's right. And you've helped me grow from 17,000 YouTube subs to the point where I can start planning on taking this full time. Thanks to Brian and everybody. Congrats, David Potts. So the first thing that pops out of my mind is that what I'm not hearing is an intermediate step. Before you raise the price for everyone, and maybe maybe it is time to raise the price for everyone, especially if you plan to grandfather some people in, uh, because that as that library grows, uh, it's all evergreen content, it's gonna be super valuable and continue to be so. But what I'm not hearing is the Starbucks model 
the reason Starbucks became such a success is because they took an essentially free commodity of coffee, something that at most was 99 cents at every corner store and was the same everywhere you went, uh, give or take. And what they did was, depending on the means of the customer, they invested in atmosphere, a place to work, and, uh, and then their model was they allowed you, if you wanted to, to figure out a way to spend $25 on a single cup of coffee with uh, constant upgrades and bundles or whatever. And uh, so that's, uh, uh, ask yourself, because uh, this is, and we've talked a little bit about this. We talk about how uh, attention is, is what you're exchanging for money and it's the real estate in people's minds. It's important that you remember it's three-dimensional real estate. It's not a case where you count the number of heads and that's how much attention you've captured because in those 3,000 heads, there are some number of them that you are deeply loved and others that you are surface loved. And for all the people who are surface loved, you appear to have the pricing exactly right. But what it sounds to me like you're not doing at all is giving any way for somebody to figure out how to give you $100 a month. So I would say before you tinker with that, find out how deep things go. Because one of the things, um, when it comes to story, you could tell kind of how good or bad a story is based on how people react to it. When it comes to money, you just look at your account and you know how much money you have. When it comes to the real estate in people's minds, the only way to find out how deep that affection goes is to offer something at various levels. So that's why whenever we do a new push for things, we try to think through of, uh, for example, uh, we, we did the mystery boxes, they're $49.95 each, and, and we put them together. And so we've been doing these weekly updates. And then near the end of it, we've had people who've been following week after week as their product is being put together and we're assembling it for them. These are emails, uh, by yeah, the way. Yes, yes. And um, uh, then we just hit them up with like, hey, we're coming up on just a couple of weeks till we send yours out. Would you like to give us uh, uh, money for a signed photograph? And then, and again, the temptation is to say $10 for a photograph. All I got to do is sign my, my name on it. That's great. That's like bonus stuff. But as counterintuitive as it, as it was, we, we, we said, uh, you know, there, there are people for whom their affection is deeper and money is a different animal. So what we did is we had three different styles of photograph, uh, gentleman, warrior, and scoundrel. So you could either choose which of those three you wanted for $10 or buy all three for 30 for $30 not even a discount no bundling nothing not, nothing of that just like hey if you would like that so so in that case that was us testing the waters of how many of these people have a deep gravity well of of affection in the real estate in their mind and uh, uh I, I want to say like two-thirds of everyone bought at least one and and uh, half of those bought all three uh, it, which, which is number one, deeply gratifying, but also it lets, it gives us key information about what we have. And also the, the high margins on those, uh, help keep us afloat. So by the way, thank you to everybody who bought a photo. It's, 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 it's awesome. Uh, for a little extra context, he does have a kind of, uh, like an extra tip level on his Patreon. He's got the $3 a month that he mentioned. And if people are so inclined, they can up that to $10 a month. They, they, there's not a premium product attached to that at the moment, but that is a little bit of information. Somewhere out there has. in 3,000 people, it is a statistical certainhood that somebody wants to give you $100 a month. And you, uh, as of now, have not figured, it, it doesn't appear that you've made it easy for them to do that. They have to really work. And, um, uh, and like, like, you know, we, we on Night Attack, we, we set up a... Uh, you know, four horse boys uh, tier at, at $50 per episode. These are people who are given, 
you know, $200 a month. And, and we make it clear. It's like, we don't expect you to give that forever, but if you're feeling it and if you want to brag to everyone that you were, you know, like a, like a, 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 a member of the Supreme court, you were a horse boy for a while, you, uh, then you, yeah, you'll be special because it lets me know that, that, that you care the most. I would, I would say two things. Uh, I agree with all those points and I would say, I, I do think that like, as Brian pointed out too, like the fact that you have, you want to, you'll grandfather in the people at the $3 level. I think a $5 level, I think I would say, try it just to see what happens. And you might, if you can think of another perk that you could throw in there that might make $3 people want to jump to five, the goal is to not have too much work for you. Cause as everybody knows, running patrons and having levels and stuff gets tedious in trying to manage it. The $100 level, 100%. And I was thinking that you could do a thing. It might be like, hey, yeah, twice a month, uh, I bring, you know, eight people together virtually and we we session together. We help people. I listen to people. We sort of as a group kind of thing. That could be, or maybe 100 might be too cheap. I don't know, but that could be extremely attractive is to say like my $100 level is like you get access to me with some other people. And, and even if it's and, like maybe built into the $100 tier is um, anytime you want, once per month, I will dedicate a half hour on one-on-one with you. Just send in a note. And number one, you'll be astonished at how many people want to buy the option to grab your ear whenever they want it, but will not act on it. It's sort of like a, a gym membership. Uh, so, so you're not actually uh, screwing with your time. Uh, but, but also uh, the grandfathering thing. Man, think about I think about how long I refused to mess with my AT&T tiers uh, because I was grandfathered into unlimited and years after I should have switched to some other tier they had something about being grandfathered and knowing that it was special. It was like nobody wants to give that up. So weirdly, I think you're 100 percent right, Andrew, by raising it to five, he essentially locks in everybody at three forever because nobody's going to want to give that up. Right. Well, I think if you, I think if he adds, if I said that if he adds a special thing, I got a new five dollar. I'm grand freezing theater too. Five dollar tier plus this other thing, you might get people that jump if they see that extra benefit. And remember, people love him. We do not love AT and T. We think they're trying to cheat us at every single moment. Right. And so that's always like, ah, what's this deal? It's like your insurance calls you up. Your insurance agent calls you up. Oh, I can save you money on this. I'm like, there's a catch here. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't think you're sitting there going. How do I take less money from my clients? You know, um, I, I think the so, one thing the way David's stuff is set up now is the the one thing that I uh, really do appreciate is just the dead simplicity of it. Hey, mm -hmm. I have this pool. You can go into the pool for three dollars a month. That is the end. That is that is the transaction here. There's not figuring out what type of thing I want. There's no. Oh, do I want, oh, do I want the upsell? Do I want this? Do I want, like, it's very, I, that's what I like about, um, our friend Mikey Newman, like, uh, his, the, the film joy movies with Mikey Patreon is very simple. There are three levels. They're very clear delineations. Um, I think, I think you do have some, some wiggle room to, to say, here's an additional type of content or here's an additional type of access that, that someone might get. Um, um, and, and I think, you know, raising, I think if you, if you make a whole big thing of like, Hey, $3 is going away, uh, soon there's a $5 there now, but if you want to get on the $3, you need to get on that before. Ooh, X that's really good because uh, you'll get a push right this minute and you won't begrudge any of it because it's not sacrificing any of your actual time right now. Right. And everyone's going to feel really good. I think, I think that is a good play to do like right this minute. I agree. Uh, and with with I the would, way Patreon works, you you 
you have no choice but to grandfather people in. Like with with Cord Killers and Night Attack, where you know we had early Patreon accounts where it, you didn't have the one dollar transaction. We had uh, one penny patrons, <laughs> right? And we still have many of them. Cord Killers' lowest paying uh, Patreon at this moment is still Brant Hughes at one cent per episode, <laughs> uh, and I see it every week. Did Flint Brant? That's amazing. Uh, but but I, that that's how long. I mean that dollar minimum has been around for years. And, and so all of those people have been locked in for such a long time um, that as long as you keep, I think you can get a really strong, like, Hey, we're turning. I got it. I got to raise the price here. Get in on $3. Now you got 30 days, you got 60 days, whatever. Go, 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 go. I would, I would consider too, cause looking at the levels here, like there is no reason to go to 10 other than your gratitude, which you, you, you need, even though people like it, you they have to. The, one part of their brain goes, "Yes, I like you. I want to do this." But another part of their brain wants an excuse. I want some excuse to do this, something I may never use. And I would consider, just as a thought, you might go grandfather people three, add your five dollar tier, move the be part of the song notes community to the ten dollar tier. You know, and so you're, you can set up a Discord where where you're linking like minded people who are all fans. Well, yeah, he has that. Oh, he okay, has that great. already. That I'm yeah. gonna assume that's what that three dollar tier is, and then at that, my only worry with that is you're going to be taking people out of that community. You're going to be ripping okay, people. Let away me explain this again because clearly you didn't get what I said. Oh, okay. let me explain this again. All right, all right. No, the new tier system. Create a five. Everybody is that three dollar tier that stays the same. Remember, they're all grandfathered there. Okay, the new tier system is five dollar tier, but take that out of that tier. Got it. Three goes to five. Take that out of the tier and put it in the ten dollars. But everybody who's currently in the cool clubhouse stays still in there. the cool clubhouse. Stay yeah. there. They're still there. Nobody's kicked out. But, everybody. But, but, everybody has a home. Only new people have to pay the the the. And so everybody who's in the cool clubhouse, you know, the, the perceived value is like, man, I'm in this cool clubhouse, and it costs three times as much as what I'm paying. Just a thought. Just thought. that's what I'm trying to say. That's all. Uh, yeah, I, I, and we don't know what how their Discord is is set up. I, I would, I would have cons. Some concerns about that if there are a lot of people there and that's a major hub for them. Um, I, I, but I, I see, I see, I, I, I understand what what you're saying. Well, the, the idea is to limit. It's it's the idea is if you guys are already there in your forum, they're part of it. Then any mm. newcomers come in here, they now got to pay ten bucks to get this thing. That the supporters, the hardcores, are there before. But, um, uh, th this is the moment that what kicks into gear. And, and if we were wrestling with this kind of decision with either scam stuff or a modern rogue thing. Uh, what I would probably do is set up a Google form and I would make content out of it and just ask your audience, just say, Hey, uh, if it was like this, good or bad, thumbs up, thumbs down, keep it simple. Just, just click yes, click no. And then, and it could be that 90% of everyone's like, man, it would be so awesome if this was an ultra elite clubhouse. Yes, please do that. And other people would be like, no, I want my friends to get in here easily. Keep uh, no. And, and asking questions, nobody ever resents. Nobody ever gets bugged out about uh, i would uh, open it up to like leave an open-ended part what would you like to see because like i've been doing like for open ai i've been doing developer interviews and i go talk to like 30 people about stuff and i have a form i use a google form i ask them and stuff but then i'm like oh what else that what else is the, some of the most important signal i get is you know oh here's the thing i need here's the thing i need i'm like oh wow that i didn't even think to put that in my form and, and you can let people create what you need to do for you uh, that that's an important kind of general philosophy to have is to know that for a fact you are not smarter 
than a hundred than a, a sample of a hundred other people. Like every, what? No matter what the question is, a hundred other people, one of them is going to have a better idea than whatever it is. Especially when it comes to setting prices or or asking questions about or having benefits and and all mm-hmm. that stuff. So whenever possible, at least take the temperature because, um, uh, for example, here's something that we did. Uh, we had a new product on the Scam Stuff store. We had no idea what the market would bear. We knew that we, uh, we were the only ones who had it. And so we, <laughs> what we did was we sent out an email saying, hey, here's the new thing. Here's what it looks like. Here's everything. And we said, we're going to play a game. Uh, everybody, each one of you guess what the default price on this is going to be. Whoever's closest will get one for free. And then we took all the data and then we set a price and whoever was closest got one for free. And, and, uh, and, and I, I don't think anyone begrudged any of that, but, uh, <laughs> but essentially we, we took a sample and then we knew exactly what the market would bear. I love the idea too, that they'd be like, ah, the person who won, it was $50 and like, ah, congratulations, you got it right. Unfortunately, you said $50. And if I give it to you for free, <laughs> then you're going to be wrong about your guess. So no prize. Well, Sorry. And, and, and also, and really, it didn't determine the price. What it did is it, is it gave us data on the perceived value so that we could come in significantly underneath it so that people would be happy. That's a great point. That's a great point. Again, yeah, it's all yeah that you don't want your community lashing out against you. And I think that you know, asking them, giving them a say is, is probably the smarter approach here. But I, like I was saying before, like I was just trying to simplify things to say, like, instead of having the guy having to create new products and new stuff of like how to reorganize stuff, because it becomes, I think there's a lot of stuff we probably promise our listeners the engagement and stuff that we're not as, oh, yeah. you know, that's the one thing you must not be. do is, mm-hmm. is make promises on behalf of future you because future you will never have the time for them. Yeah. That's why I said, like, for the $100 level, I would say, like, probably, my suggestion would be like, oh, like every every other Saturday, I spend two hours and you can get access to the session because letting people say, hey, I want 30 minutes of your time, whatever I want. Eh, yeah, Brian, no, you're right. You make you're that right. deal? Yeah. So it's yeah. hard. It's hard because like, you know, when we're, but that's amazing what he's built. Amazing. Yeah. 3,000 Patreons. Uh, please let us know right back in, David, how, uh, how, that, how that goes for you. I'm sure he doesn't need yeah. any prodding, but if anybody else wants to get this helpful very lucrative information uh, we have the email information in the show notes oh uh, gosh yeah our, our clear as mud i don't know ask your fans <laughs> no we, can't, we, can't, we, uh, we had some 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 nuggets we're not away. even asking a commission okay well, i mean at least take the temperature at least know what all their right. expectations are is kind of my yeah thing. no it's it's all great it's mm-hmm. all great all great again i my and i and anything you know uh, my snap was just because like i'm like oh i don't want this to be too complicated because i everything i do falls apart when i'm like i'm gonna do this level here and this level here and that's like you watch kickstarter headache is like you know, like you have there's too few levels and there's too many and yeah. then it's just you know the math uh hey if if we could go on to picks uh did, did have you gotten on the lower decks train yet andrew big fan okay best, good. best star uh, trek my, my inflammatory twitter best trek six next generation uh agreed 100 percent agreed and man that last episode uh, did you see the season finale uh-huh uh on the one hand hard left turn also um the most exciting star trek episode since 
the the next generation. I mean, it was it was yeah. really remarkable. I was really taken how the spectacle of that story was better than all of the other ones in the season so far. I have misgivings about the ending of it, but but we could talk about that more in spoiling time. But I thought it was great. I thought it was especially after last week's you know parody of all the movies. The movies, yeah, and that, that you just, were not in on the joke on for. Yeah, some of them, some where of this one felt like really riveting, really exciting, and um, probably because it was the finale, you definitely felt more like, oh, like anything could really happen, like something actually substantial could happen, and then uh, who knows if it did. I, I, the thing that I cut, like, it's amazing because it's got this like low rating. Like you look at like from a lot of Trek fans, like, ah, oh, it's you put jokes in my Star Trek. Oh, dude, um, they're they're all crazy and they're all wrong. <laughs> Mm-hmm. they are all wrong and and i've like i'm not gonna pick on some other star trek show right now but i'm like <laughs> those characters are dumb they are <laughs> they are dumb characters if you ask me why did they do this this episode why do this this and you get like oh just because like that's how you explain away there are very competent people working on the show and i don't know what to be in there but like that's how you explain lazy writing is when you go oh it's just a show it's just a yeah, show like Relax. well because it's we had this show. set piece that we really wanted to work in and so we needed yeah. to have a just because reason and it's like oh well, we're going to be a very forward thinking show i'm like yeah you haven't done anything i didn't see on next generation as far as moving you're 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 very 2015 you know with where you want to be on stuff you know like it, it like, does I, feel I, like the backstory jokes aside lower decks really feels like a return to form to the next generation they they, they keep it simple and um uh, I, I don't know the structure seems very old school centric I would say I would say they use as a template, but I'd say the characters are even smarter and more well done to an extent. I mean, some of them are a little bit character types, but like I just like I'll never it's a cartoon by, you know, the, the director from Rick and Morty. And I'm never going, why is this character doing this this week? Why are they doing this? Like, how are they in Starfleet? I'm watching a cartoon. And anytime you see something like first, you know, early on, early on, um, uh mariner she'd be doing stuff you'd be like oh wow and then there was a price to pay for that like oh wow no that's not just for the joke like there's gonna be a price to be paid for this i dig it like i I just it's good good writing they could have done if, if the pitch was star trek but funny you could very easily make the whole world out of rubber nobody ever gets killed nothing ever happens it's just a way to string a bunch of jokes together but i love the fact that like i totally believe that dude's dead I totally believe that uh, that that there's real consequences. I totally believe that they're going to stick to things and they're not going to reset everything every single episode. I mean, that's 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 something that you don't have to do, but is very, very welcome and very appreciated to these eyes. Yeah, and I think that one of the things we've talked about before is like uh one of the ways in which some of the best content you ever get are from people who are f- so familiar with genre they can do parody. Like you look at the the Russo brothers mm-hmm. and what they've done with the, the Avengers and Marvel. And these are guys that worked on Arrested Development. Are these guys who worked on, you know, did did, did they do? Are they the ones that did uh, the community paintball sequences that later showed up in or, or that, that 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 was the the legend is I don't know if this is true or not, but that the uh, that some of the fight sequences of uh, the paintball community stuff was what, what they did before Captain America. Am I remembering that right? I don't know if that was them. 
maybe but they're they're they get they get it and like i would say that like in like marcus mcfeely the guys who were doing some of the best marvel screenplays you know you just you just see that sort of understanding about a fistful of paintballs yeah uh yeah it's so uh i i think that's what i love about lower ducks because like mcmahon the guy who's a showrunner for it like the problem you see in other shows like the problem like why, the reason like i think the star wars movies started to suck and i think the star trek movies were not didn't reach for as much as they could and not saying there's any one person to blame for it but they were all treated like oh this is the genre the genre is star trek or the genre is star wars and it's like no, Wrath of Khan is not a Star Trek movie. No, it's you know, it's, it's it's Das Boot. I mean, it's it's yes. a submarine warfare. It's the best submarine warfare movie yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah, it's this revenge thing. It's not this, and that's the, what makes this stuff great. Is like no, like these are characters and these are people. And this is a milieu, but these and Marvel Marvel hit its, its high notes when it says, okay, this we're gonna do a European road trip movie with you know scrolls and you know <laughs> you know you know i mean that's mysterio and that's what makes it awesome is they go okay we we get this but really we're doing this genre we're going to take the complications of that genre and bring it here and not the complications of star trek well you're gonna have the klingons show up and then you're gonna have those pesky this it's like no that's not it's not it's not it and that's when you see really bad writing is they don't get that you're in another genre um, I'm going to pick, um, uh, ahead of the Apple announcement. So I don't know what they're going to do tomorrow, but, uh, I've had this for a few months now and I have, uh, been really enjoying having the home pod, uh, mm. in my apartment. Um, uh, I don't have one of the echo devices or a Google device. Um, uh, I have the, I have an iPhone and an iPad and stuff. So that all kind of works in together. Um, I, I don't use this in the way that, um, I think people use like the Echo devices or the Google devices. I'm not asking it things mm -hmm. all the time. God, it's always the weather with me. I'm out of the fresh out of the shower and I shout across the room to find out what the weather is <laughs> going to be today. Um, the the big thing is, so I, I use the Apple TV in my living room to watch things, and I can use this as a sound, as a sound as a speaker, and it'll automatically connect, and it'll it's got way more bass than my dumb tv from a few years ago has so um uh, so i've i've, in, I've enjoyed it just e just even in that usage and yeah i can i can ask it some things i don't ask it uh i ask it for the news or yeah for the weather or set an alarm um play music i just love the way you're like oh i, I can ask it for the news or set alarm like you plebes do no no <laughs> no 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 but like, <laughs> that's what i do but i like the the more i guess the deeper uh voice assistant stuff that uh the other ones really excel in of like hey uh find the specific product and buy it or or whatever why is price so mean to me <laughs> <laughs> um i i'm i'm really not i'm not missing i'm not wanting for those um and yeah i don't know i i think i i think it's been a strong addition to to my living room space and the uh possibly we're recording this on monday they supposedly might announce a mini home pod um the, the one thing i do enjoy um a lot about the home pod um that i don't know that uh, my experience with other devices has been is when it's playing music i can still talk to it or i can still give it a command um which with when i've been at places where they have like a google home uh and if they're playing music they can't 
they can't call out to it to stop it or anything, or they have to use their phone. Yeah, the Echo device will hear its trigger word and then and then drop the music and like 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 what's that you're saying? Mm -hmm. uh, which which works most of the time. I I have found that for the HomePod, as long as it's not at a hundred percent. The the big thing is if the music's at a hundred percent, then you're really not going to get. But that's loud. You know, the HomePod is kind of a bigger speaker. Uh, I can I can ask it stuff and it doesn't need to cut into the volume or anything and it does a good job of picking that up um, across devices. If I've got my the home if I've got my AirPods in, it'll do that there instead of on the speaker. Or if, if uh, I don't know, I I, I found it uh, to be a good addition. Um, and I got it on sale. You can kind of you can find them on sale every so often. Uh, I, I I would love some kind of analysis, and I suppose it's got to be out there. Somebody must have been doing this. But I feel like there's an arms race to fill out personality for the various uh, a, a robot assistants. And uh, I am very pleased with the Echo Assistant in that I keep trying to come up with weirder things to see if somebody has bothered to do it. Like, like just in the middle of cooking, I, uh, you know, Halloween was coming up and my kid was around. So I asked the Echo device to tell me a scary story. And I just said, tell me a scary story. And sure enough, they had not just one, but like five different iterations of one minute stories with kind of a, a cute surprise ending at the end. <laughs> and you could say weird stuff like, um, uh, there's the out in Bonnie's shed. There's a device, and I just I just said start start playing uh, uh, haunted house sounds, and then it just kept going. <laughs> oh my god, that's awesome! Uh, my favorite is to trigger the device, and on my way out the door, just say play Baby Shark. But uh, but man, no, I love I love uh, the the personality race that's happening. That's interesting because I don't have I don't have that personality attachment to it. I have no cutesy relationship to my to my pod. Well, there's the, the fun thing about the the Echo devices is that they do put a ton of cool, like, yeah. what else you can do? Like, that, it's amazing. I didn't know you could do that. I'm not surprised. My favorite thing about, again, Apple fanboy here, but my favorite thing about the Echo, though, is, of course, Audible. I could just I go to bed at night. I play my audiobooks, tell it to go to sleep, you know, tell it to sleep after 15 minutes or end a chapter. Oh, man. Like, that's just that's like magic to me that I get a story, a robot reads a story to me at night. <laughs> that is pretty uh, good. Well, and, and also of course, audible, you know, it, it synchronizes over your devices. And if you have, if you're reading it on a Kindle, you're reading it some of the time, you're audio booking it some of the time. And oh, a funny thing too, is like I go to my dentist office and they use echo devices and you kind of, you sort of have your attachment to yours. And I remember like I'm sitting in the chair and they like the hygienist plays some music and I just go, you know, I go echo device name, you know, uh, you know, play, you know, play some, you know, Led Zeppelin, <laughs> you know, and she, I got this look like, yeah, I know. I just told your robot what to do because it's <laughs> the same as my robot. And you know, well, it's, <laughs> uh, th that is something I would like to see is the ability to increasingly personalize the, the trigger words. Cause I think right now there's only like two or three choices you get. Yeah. Yeah, mine. Well, also it does. Rec they're getting better recognizing voices. Like mine. Does yours greet you by name? Because like mine was like, "Oh, good morning, Andrew." Uh, no. Well, if if it did, it would say, "Hello, bizarre magic ink consignment." <laughs> well, but you can add. They're getting like I don't know where the feature is, but like the idea is to have different people in the household. Uh, yeah, and I'm sure there is. It's it's hard for me to want to invest heavily on that uh, to empower my three agents of chaos that live under the same roof as me. But uh, so, so for right now, I'm just happily on default to everything. Yeah. But the advantage that will eventually be that like you could 
if it's my voice, you can do this. If it's uh, their voice. Mm. Uh, I would imagine voice print analysis is going to become increasingly important because I know that when we're doing night attack, I'm able to yell back before Justin was wearing headphones all the time. I could yell, trigger his echo device, and, and I would I would shout a uh, trigger word, buy toilet paper, and then I would hear from the other room. <laughs> it would say, buying toilet paper right now. And he was like, no, no. Uh, How weird is it that we're in a world now where we will not say the name because it will summon it? Yes, well, well, and 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 either for us, but or for listeners at home, and, well, yeah. and, and it's a courtesy thing. Yeah, it's upset. That's the amazing part is like we've reached this like the the the, the three words you don't say on TV. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, 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 uh, that's kind. Of, well, you can say Cortana because nobody's using it, but I think I that. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! What what a that's random bad. moment for for just a, a, a side shiv to Microsoft. <laughs> But yeah, no, I just, but I mean, that's the sort of thing, like that's, this is how like witchcraft, you know, came about in like magic believing societies and stuff. Is that like, we, for we, you know, whatever, I don't know. That's awesome. I'm, I'm going to say some Latin phrase someday out of the Necronomicon and it's going to be like, would you like to order more toilet paper? <laughs> uh, and, uh, the last thing is uh, uh, it has its home, it's home kit. Like I have home kit stuff in my home. Uh, and so I can just say, you know, uh, turn on the living room or set the lights to, yeah. to this. Uh, and that's, that's kind of nice. Cause I know my parents have some echo devices and trying to set stuff up within the app for that is really messy. Um, so it's nice that I have a thing from my own ecosystem of stuff. All right. My pick everybody is I picked this last time. I'm going to reiterate it for everybody. And after things, if you're only listening to the show, check out notion.so. It is a wonderful, uh, platform allows you to take notes. You can create web pages. You can do documents, share them with your groups, whatever. It's super easy to use. It is a very, very well thought out. Like I said, it feels like this is something that people thought of, like, how do you solve the problems of today? And it doesn't feel like a decade old product like everybody else has. And there's it works on mobile, works really well across you know devices. Like I said, you can put spreadsheets, tables, all sorts of stuff in there. You can share it with people. You can create a document and download it as a PDF. Very, very, very powerful for creation and workspace, etc. Cool. Right on. Cool. Hey, man. Good after things. Thank you, gentlemen. It's been after. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program.